Spice Girls today. Oh, wanna know, hey, what's going on with you? Hey, Paul and Jamie, why don't we have some fun? On Mad About, Mad About You. Mad About, Mad About You does not rhyme with fun. If Mad About You was a final frontier, we're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's Mad About, Mad About You. Yeah, very nice. You're good at the music ones. Hey. Come and see more of me being good at the music ones Tuesday nights with Public Pool oh, right. at the Magnet Theater every single week at Musical Megawatt, You're 29th right. and 8th. Ah. Now, did you write that ahead of time? or uh... I did not. I didn't even know I was going to do it until about one second before I did it. Look at that. How about it? Yeah. I'm going to do another one one of these days. <laughs> I thought you meant like, okay, how about that? No, no, Let's no, no, no. do another take because that... Sounded like you didn't know you were going to do it until a second before you did. It did a little, but that's okay. <laughs> but that's okay. That's not a crime. But yeah, you should come. It's fun. I came. You should come again. It's still fun. Actually, I've never been to that. Yeah, that's true. You've never. I've only been to the Friday show. You saw the sequel do stuff yeah. well, at a very late hour. Because my darts league plays on Tuesday nights. Oh, that's right. You're in a darts league. By the way, this is Mad About Mad About You, everybody. Oh, Hello. Yeah. Welcome back. Rise, guys. Rise, gals. <laughs> it's your Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader. And my name is John Marbley. We talk all about Mad About You, but first, what about this darts league, John? What about it? I think it's so funny and cool and weird and great that you have been in a darts league for years. It's the New York Darts League. Mm-hmm. We're in the C division, which is the lowest division. Mm-hmm. Where it's a little more fun, a little less serious, but it's still sure. kind of serious. Sure. Everyone owns their own darts. You bring them to the bar, you assemble them like a little miniature scoped rifle. Right. Like you're going to take out a politician <laughs> or something in a movie. That's the sort of thing where it's just like, I don't realize until right now that I'm like, oh, I don't know how to actually play darts. Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't. You know, it's like, oh, you know how you play darts? You throw a thing at the dartboard and. But we get to the bullseye wins. Yeah, and then you <laughs> go upstairs because darts happens in basements. And then, yeah, you play darts. And the end of the game is when it's dinner time. And... <laughs> yeah, you know the game's over when your mother shouts, we have to go. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> it must be quite a league. Lots of mothers. Yeah, lots of mothers. <laughs> just standing outside a door of a bar. You need at least one mother to, for any tournament to happen. <laughs> okay. But, Russ, the snacks are great. <laughs> What's your team name? The Wendy Peppercorns. Okay. Do you know that's that a reference? That's reference, right? Yes, that's the name of the lifeguard. The female yeah. lifeguard that they all have a crush on. Yes. It's a name that predates me by okay. many years. Sure. But what I do now for the group is a treat every Christmas is the UK has a lot of great darts websites, and you can get custom dart flights made. Oh, wow. So we have little team dart flights, which, you know, go on the back end of the dart. Yeah, yeah. With her image and then our team name. That's really neat and funny. How many people are on this team? I like nine, I think. Is that standard? Eight. Ah, Well, it depends on the uh, division you're talking about. Of course, the league classification and all sorts of things. In Scotland, they have 300 to a team. In Ireland, they have two. Wait, 300 and 200 or 300 or two people team? Two people. I'm making this all up. I don't know, Russ. (laughs) 
Look, until this conversation, or at least it's one similar to it, I didn't know there was such a thing as a darts league. I'm the guy who just said, I, you know, it ends when your mom yells for you. Well, I know nothing about this. Of course there could be a 300-person team. I have books on darts. <laughs> I have terminology. Give me some darts lingo. They call it breakfast if you score a 26 with three darts, which is you hit a 20, a 5, and a 1 because they're all next to each other. And there's a game where you try to get as many 20s as you can. So if you miss, you usually end up with a 5 or a 1. Mm-hmm. So a common thing is 26, and they call it breakfast because in England, back whenever that term was phrased, breakfast would cost 26 pence. Wow. You have to stand behind a line, and if your foot goes over the line, they accuse you of wearing grandpa's boots. <laughs> Why is that? Because I guess presumably grandpa had bigger boots than you. <laughs> okay, sure. Which by extension. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> this breakfast thing and the grandpa's boots thing is equally as weird as a 300-person team. <laughs> like. No, they have terms in baseball. Of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they make a well, little more have... sense, I guess. Sometimes. They're a little more really. descriptive. There's no extra leap. It would be like calling a single like a ah, school day. And what's that sure. mean? Ah, you do it once a day. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, well make you it know so that far. when somebody catches like an easy pop fly? Yeah. That's called a can of corn. What? Yeah. By who? Iowans? <laughs> Everybody. Or at I've least never older... heard that. Yeah. It comes from back And of course, in... creamed corn is when you catch it and then drop it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You creamed that corn, baby. Here's how I know about that. It comes from when a person would be shopping for groceries and the corn would be at the top shelf. fall. They'd knock it off a with hand. a broom handle oh. and then catch it in their apron. Easy catch, can of corn. <laughs> and I learned that from the, I believe it was probably RBI baseball or some video game some video baseball game on Sega Genesis that I used to play and the announcer on the game dropped that tidbit. And then you looked it up or he would also explain No, I just remember he explained the whole thing. Wow. So So if you have a video darts game, then we could speak the same language about this. Listen, that is amazing. (laughs) You hear that right? I'll tell you what else is amazing, Johnny. Mad about you? Mad about you. Yeah. When should we talk about the sweepstakes results? Now or after uh, we get into it? All so right. Now. Well, uh, those of you who uh, are devoted listeners might have listened to last week's episode where we had a sweepstakes where we had come up with, we were talking about wine movies and we had mentioned Sideways and, of course, A Walk in the Clouds, the more popular mm-hmm. wine movie of those of two. Of course. For sure. And then we couldn't think of a third. So we posed the question to you, our listeners. Mm-hmm. And you came through. <laughs> yeah, you came through and really started to demonstrate the... Um, lack of specificity in our question and really started to push the envelope in terms of Mm -hmm. the boundaries around the definition. What is a wine movie? Mm -hmm. Your borders were expanding faster than the United States in 1850. Oh my goodness. Thanks again, Dennis Miller. (laughs) Yeah. It was the manifest destiny of wine movie questions. (laughs) Okay. Poke. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Went sideways at a Louisiana wine up purchase. Okay. <laughs> Who won? What do we got? Okay. So Facebook had way more uh, entries. I don't think Twitter had any. We also got one as a review <laughs> on iTunes. So oh, thank cool. you for the review. Thank you. However, it accused us of not mentioning sideways, which I believe we did. We did. That was what started thank- the convo, right? It's true. Thank you for your review. Yeah, but we're not idiots. <laughs> I mean, if that had been an oversight on our part, I don't know if we'd be recording again, because clearly we wouldn't have been equipped. 
mentally. We have no idea as to uh, anything about anything. I mean, if you're talking about wide movies and you don't mention Sideways. Go home. <laughs> what do they say? Oh, delete your account. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Ugh, don't you hate that? I hate when people try to shut other people up. <laughs> shut up. I'm going to read these. <laughs> so Rachel on Facebook said Bottle Shock. Yes. Which is a movie I had never heard of. I also had not. This is a great list. This is a very mad about mad about you list. Chris Pine. Great. Classic mainstream movie star. Mm-hmm. Alan Rickman. Okay. Dude Bill Department. Pullman. Great. Now we're talking. And Dennis Farina. Oh. I mean, this might have been his last movie because when did he pass away? Like 2014, right? This movie was like Something 20, like just shortly before that. Wow. And then uh, who else we got? We got here Leslie. Well, she suggested the documentary Psalm, which we all remember from Netflix. And I didn't watch because, you sure. know, who's in the mood? We are. No, I'm not. I like to talk about it. I don't want to watch a documentary. <laughs> Any documentary? It is interesting. I don't know how much I buy into this wine culture, though. Do you? I don't know what you mean by how much you buy into it. Well, you know, it is a little contrary. It's sort of like the, oh, Shakespeare didn't write the plays thing where it's like, it's, there's, there is a hot debate about whether or not wine is re- like the things we um, attribute to the tastes and the smells and everything is true. So you think it's all fake. You think this is the work of big wine. I'm the Mark Rylance of wine tasting. <laughs> you think wine is a big conspiracy theory? I don't know if it's psychosomatic or real. Okay. I oh, is that like saying I believe in aliens? Kinda. Oh boy, kinda, you're a bit of uh, what's his name? Yeah, what's that, uh, that coast psychopath? to coast. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the radio host George Norrie? Yeah, maybe him. <laughs> <laughs> Broadcasting to you from a bunker in the middle of Nevada. It's mad about mad about you. Not Rush Limbaugh. Who's the other dude who? Oh, Alex Jones. Well, there's Alex Jones, but also who's the guy who like worst person ever, and then. Recently, it was just like, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. Alex Jones. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. There's another one who I can't think of right now. Another Republican loony bin guy. Glenn Beck? Yes, Glenn Beck. Is that who you're thinking of? You're just like, yes, I was thinking of Glenn Beck. Yes, where it's yeah, just like, look, maybe wine is all nonsense. I don't know. Right. And then a few I'm years I'm just in, asking questions. A few years ago, <laughs> no. Or a few years ago, he's like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. maybe it's just grape juice all the time. My name is John Marbley. I'm the Glenn Beck of wine. No, there's obviously alcohol in it. But what I'm wondering, it just doesn't have a taste. Look, Russ, you sheeple. <laughs> Everyone knows wine is Fiji water with red food coloring. <laughs> it's the same effect they use on that. Is this dress red or blue? Yeah, there you go. Okay, we also got another one from Emily, with Nail and I. Yes. And in a classic My Life scenario, I turn sure. to my girlfriend, Christine, I say, have you heard of either of these movies, Bottle Shock? She goes, yes. <laughs> and I go, because she's a real Anglophile. And with okay. Nail and I is a British film from the 70s that I swear nobody's heard of outside of Emily. I've heard of it. Okay. <laughs> and Russ. And my girlfriend, Christina. <laughs> All right, so. The big three. Three outliers, and then me, the mainstream. <laughs> we also got um, French Kiss was suggested by Valerie. Oh. Because uh, she says if you hadn't been smuggling a vine to start a winery, they would have never met. Also, he starts a winery. I didn't remember that part of that movie at all. I've never seen that movie. And oh, it's so frustrating because I want, I want to invalidate some of these, but they all make such a strong case. The- <laughs> I love it. It's so meet funny. Cute- it's so funny for you to be so exclusionary. <laughs> Where it's just like, hey, 
list your favorite things. And then, oh, I want to say these are no so bad. I can't. But I can't. I don't have empirical evidence that you're all wrong. (laughs) But I feel in my heart that you are. If the meat cute is a grape that essentially grows on the end of a vine that's in Kevin Klein's pocket, how can I refuse that? (laughs) I can. That's not wine. That's a grape. Uh, and then our buddy Dan. Oh, do you know Dan? I'm not sure that I do. I might know Dan. Dan Blondell? I've probably met him. I think I've met him once. I say his full name because he has a wonderful podcast. Oh. It's about all sorts of things. Well, if we're listening full names of people with really good podcasts, then well, Rachel who, who is. Did the sweepstakes. Oh, wait, well, really? Yeah, Rachel is Rachel Rosing, one half of the wonderful Beckett oh, to the Future podcast right. that I have been on. I knew that. I knew that name sounded familiar. I haven't yeah. listened yet. You ought to. And uh, Danny's podcast is called Nine Ball, like the game. Oh, neat. And he talks about all sorts of things, and they range in length. In fact, they range so much in length that I'm looking at one now, and it has a question mark next to the number of minutes. I don't know oh, how boy. he got that to happen. <laughs> but something tells me if you start listening to that, it never ends. He said the grapes of wrath. Listen to it after we're done with our podcast, because <laughs> yeah, it may be the last thing you ever listen don't to. Don't put it on now. He suggested the grapes of wrath which I think is a very funny answer. Sure. Mm-hmm. Which I've never read, but I presume is about grape stomping, right? I was supposed to read it and no. It's not? No, it's about the Dust Bowl in America. Yeah, but the dust blew all the way to California, wine country. You think they were focusing more on just living, not, oh man, I can't wait to get out California way so I can have a <laughs> wonderful Pinot Grigio. That wasn't the end game of the Dust Bowl in America. And the Great Depression. Okay, this is interesting. Are you going to say, Wiki- yeah, it was? The Wikipedia page doesn't include the word wine. However, <laughs> study.com, which explains the Graps of Wrath title, and by extension, a, an excerpt from the book, I guess, says, in this passage, the wrath of God, wrath, right? Sure. <laughs> I've lost the page. Uh oh. It said wine, okay? Oh, the wrath of God is his anger and punishment over the evil that is in the world. This line is a metaphor or comparison using grapes and the wine press, where the angel is helping God transform the grapes into God's wrath, punishment, and justice, which is wine. Okay, so subtextually, I think we have a very strong case here. Do you know what? I didn't think about it from all angles. You're absolutely right. Think of how dusty that wine must have been. I'm sorry I was such an idiot. The Grapes of Wrath is absolutely a wine movie. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so it was uh, nice having everyone participate. We haven't had a sweepstakes in a long time. Welcome back, People seem really hungry for it. (laughs) So we're here in the middle of episode 66 of Mad About Mad About You. Almost at 70. Holy smokes. And we're here to talk about... Under the Tuscan Sun from Mac Jackson. There you go. Didn't know that one was either. I have not seen it, but it sounds right. Okay, that's it. Now we're out. I just checked Twitter because, I, you know, I hadn't checked Twitter. Understood. Thank you. Season three, episode 20 of Mad About You. That's what we're here to talk about. The episode is called Money Changes Everything. Oh, I think we know what this is going to be. It aired on April 27th, 1995. Surely did. You want to hear the TV guide? More than anything. Iris offered an interest-free loan from his now-widowed and wealthy ex-wife. Parenthetical, Cindy Lauper. Mm-hmm. Second sentence says Patrick Ewing has a cameo. I was going to say why second sentence. You got to have that second sentence. Exactly. Yeah. It's a great way to get the husbands to watch with their wives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day at work, when the fellas go to work and the women stay home and cook. Sure. In this 90s paradise. <laughs> this 90s 
Paradise. They'd say, hey, Phil, did you watch Mad About You last night? And he'd be like, no, I don't watch oh. that crap. And he'd say, oh, Patrick Ewing was on. <laughs> Whoa, well, then I won't miss it. And they'll I'll say, oh, you already did. Wait for the DVD set to come out after uh, <laughs> Kim Jong-un hacks into Sony and reveals an email. <laughs> and then he has a stroke and passes out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Big week for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is a classic. What's fun is fun and not fun. I guess I'm glad it doesn't have the standard plot, but like every sitcom takes on money. Sure. You know, Friends has the famous one where Joey and uh, Phoebe can't afford to live the way Chandler or Joe, Phoebe and Rachel can't afford to right. live like Chandler, Ross and Monica. Mm-hmm. Ross, of course, living off that sweet, sweet National History Museum. Natural yep, History he's Museum. He's a, a very <laughs> wealthy paleontologist. <laughs> I Love Lucy, every sitcom. <laughs> you got them all, Friends and I Love Lucy. <laughs> I don't know if Seinfeld did, actually, but in general. They probably did. It's a tropey plot, and then this episode doesn't do those tropes. It's different. It is different. It it's almost weird. doesn't activate. It doesn't do the thing that activates those other episodes until the end. Very, very strange episode. It sure was. It was, yeah. well, we'll get to the writer later. We'll get there. Do you have anything to share? <laughs> this is show and tell russ did you bring anything this week <laughs> and the answer for you is kind of no uh <laughs> so we have to go to it there are, yeah right there are a few different fun things going on or uh yeah i won't say fun things a few different things going on this week on television the one thing i want to talk about is a very strange thing that was on the sunday after this episode it was on fox and it was called the fox all-Star Challenge. Oh, it was that, on Sunday night. That could go any direction. It really could. And I didn't know what to expect. I Googled it. And the whole thing is on YouTube in six different parts. Oh, no, ladies and gentlemen. Three I hours apart. I, right? I watched part of one part. And it was like, it's a sports. That means sports, it was really it was, bad. <laughs> it was a sports show uh-huh. about hosted by daisy fuentes oh and I had a from crush on her when i was in sure we all high did high school hosted by daisy fuentes and co-hosted by steve young do you remember him nah we talked about steve young i was a real fuentes but i don't remember young <laughs> steve young we talked about him a few months ago oh we did he was yeah he was the quarterback of the san francisco oh, 49ers. 49ers and he just recently won mvp the heisman trump yeah <laughs> oh, that's <a> college. <laughs> yeah sure is the mvp ring he won that too yeah he won the mvp a few months earlier of the super bowl right so this is like for all intents and purposes this is the hottest football player right in the world right now doing mediocre sunday night special on fox or in exciting yeah, that's absolutely right do you think it was his attempt though to branch into tv well and start maybe that i mean part of his career going in some respects it works because now he's an analyst for the nfl mm. so like as far as talking into microphones and speaking about sports and sports related things it's a good stepping stone this is what i'm saying but also it starred tia Carrere. Oh my she was gosh, participating. Russ, this is like a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, T. Carrera and Daisy Fuentes. If you say same Tyra thing. Banks, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was 12 <laughs> parts. How do I find it on Yahoo? <laughs> what was it? Was it, oh, was it Seinfeld? I'm trying to remember if it was George or, or somebody talking about sources, sources of arousal from, uh, I can't remember what show it was. It, in my head, it's Jerry going, Tyra Banks, that's a source. I know my sources. Oh, George. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think George has a monologue about that. Yeah. It's not Tyra Banks, though. I don't think so. No, it's not. I just. That's yeah, a little too talk, contemporary for that show. I'm I just think. thinking about your sources. Oh, Tyra yeah, yeah, Banks. Yeah. That's a source. Tia oh, Carrera. no. It's uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, I think. Could be. Let's speculate about this for 10 more minutes. That'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Junior Seau was on this thing. Jerry Ooh. Rice. Junior Seau. The oh, I don't Junior care. Seau get, to the, was... get to the chips. <laughs> Well, he I'm was a just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, Junior Seau was a football. He's a Hall of Fame football player. So is Jerry Rice, who was also involved in this. I thing. remember Jerry Rice, another 49er. Yeah, another 49er. Absolutely. It's as if it was Battle of the Network Stars with actual professional athletes. What do they do? Do they just talk or highlights? no? They did like sports stuff, kind of. The one thing that I watched. They were in a big pool, and they had to jump into the pool, grab a disc from the bottom of the pool, then climb up an obstacle that took them out of the pool, oh. jump back into the pool, and it was a relay race. Oh, so it's like feats of strength now, by famous athletes. That's fun. It was like American Gladiators or American Ninja Warrior. Right, right, with celebs. With celebs, and I couldn't have cared less. It's the sort of thing where I'm just like, when you watch it on FX or on MTV, a lot in a lot of ways, it's just like, or um, when they do reality shows and it's full of B-list celebrities, whether it's Dancing with the Stars or I remember seeing one a few years ago where they were diving. It was just like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar diving into a pool. What? I hope that thing was deep. It sure was. My new bowl would break his neck. <laughs> when you watch that, you're like, this is bad. Why are these people doing it? They don't need to do this. Oh, it's so sad that they need to do this dumb stuff. And now it's like people at the top of their athletic yeah. careers. And it's just like, why are they doing this? I mean, what's cooler? Ballroom dancing on TV or pool diving? What do you think? <laughs> I Truly, don't I don't know. Because one is more objectively athletic looking. Sure. If you want people to maintain to see you as an athlete, I'd rather dive in a pool. Okay, sure. It feels a little I'll less sellouty to me. Ballroom dancing is but I don't know. on its ninth season, 11th season. Whereas the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar diving into a pool show lasted, I think, six episodes. What did? Oh, this show? Yeah. You cut out for a second. The Diving Into a Pool show lasted about six episodes. <laughs> well, they need a better title. This one, the challenge, the Fox All-Star Challenge, Yeah, this was a one-time event. Oh, what a time to be alive. <laughs> Check it out, everybody. It's something. Do you think happened. OJ would have been on there if he hadn't been in court? Without question. <laughs> he would have been the celebrity guest referee instead of Dan Cortez. Do the girls do the contest, too? Mm-hmm. I'm going to check this out. <laughs> Let me know what you think. That sounds pretty fun. I love American um, Gladiators. It's a lot of that, too. They did one. The second event that I watched part of was it was almost like Powerball, where you have to run and drop a ball into a. Oh, yeah. Into a. Big, yeah. Yeah. Except into a the baby's playpen, basically. Yeah. Except the people on defense, rather than tackling them, like in Powerball, they yeah. had the joust sticks. So like the big pugil sticks. Oh, nice. From American Gladiators. Except they were just nice. everybody's running around. You would think it was nice. It wasn't no, nice that good. use of the word pugil. Oh yeah. Wow. Well, I just watched it. I'm so sick <laughs> of you showing off your vocabulary on this podcast. <laughs> we'll get to that later, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pretty obsequious. I don't know what to tell you. you. Sure. Well, you can be. <laughs> Listen, there's something liberating about saying we're not talking about the news anymore, and then being able to talk about the news. <laughs> Absolutely, I hear you. What happened in the news? Well, a month went by from the last episode airing right the last one was the end of march is the end of april mm -hmm. and it was quite an eventful month like the unabomber was back in the news wow some guy oh never mind i forgot his name is in a coma <laughs> like 
Perry Como or something, like an old singer. John, there's no way that Perry Como was in a coma. Was he already just dead? Fits too well. No, that just fits too well. Oh, he was in a coma? Yeah, you're just <laughs> thinking that Perry Como was in a coma because his name was Perry Como. Do you think people make that mistake a lot? <laughs> it depends on what you think a lot is. Like, <laughs> they probably think he's, all right. <laughs> they probably do think more than anybody Once a else. Year around the world. Yeah, so... That's a lot. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say that somebody. We just did every, it for 2018. Every, <laughs> so you want to get is Perry Como in a coma dot com. Then when you go to it, it says either yes or no. <laughs> Do you think a it'd be a great album title, but insensitive a little right in a coma sure. and it would just be like uh, his greatest hits. B, you could really call that someone who's transfixed by his music so much that it's a little hard to get their attention, you could say they're in a coma. You could. <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. Now, here's what I st- what really caught my eye. On Ooh. April 12th, 1995, actor Sylvester Stallone <laughs> announced his engagement to model oh. Angie Eberhardt. Hey, how about that? Do you remember her? Oh, me neither. Vague. I remember the name a lot. Yes. This is from People Magazine. <laughs> this is a real tabloidy kind of story. She has started <laughs> catwalks in Milan and Paris, posed four years for Sports Illustrated, a swimsuit issue, and at 25 is so worldly a traveler that she has perfected the art of smuggling her beloved Maltese dog aboard transatlantic flights where she feeds him bits of Chateaubriand. Oh, my. Oh, people. What a lucky pooch. <laughs> but when supermodel Angie Everhart phoned her mother, Ginny, 49, back in her hometown of Akron, Ohio, on late February. In late February, she sounded like any starstruck ingenue. Mother, Akron? she gushed. Guess who just called me? Yeah, Akron. Ooh. You spent some time there, right? I do. I'll yeah. be there in just a few days. Well, yeah, if you see Ginny Everhart on the street, be sure to send her my love. <laughs> I'll say hello for, um, on behalf of the both of yeah. us. So to check out this episode. <laughs> the who was Sylvester Stallone, 48. Also, did you know how old this man is? I did not. He was 48 in 1995. I did not expect that. Isn't that right? I didn't either. That means Rocky happened in his 30s, which then made me feel great as an actor in his 30s. Sure. I always thought of Rocky as the beginning. It was, by and large. This guy was incredibly prolific after that. Like, Yeah. I assumed he was like 26 or something when Rocky came out. You know what I mean? I do. Though Uh, saying that now, that's not that big a difference. But I guess I thought he was like maybe 10 years younger. Eight no, years sure. younger. Sure, sure, sure. So this really shifts the whole paradigm for me. <laughs> Listen to this idiot, though, who had been awestruck himself after spotting a photo of Everhart alongside Mickey Rourke on the cover of a magazine. Oh, boy. Stallone wasted no time before calling her up. This wasn't a date, though. He was merely offering to introduce the fledgling actress to a movie producer he knew. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. Sure, sure, sure. Improbable. It was improbable because Stallone was then dating Austrian model Andrea Weiser. 22, while Everhart was still getting over her recently broken engagement to a Lebanese businessman. These people are getting married, engaged, and divorced like crazy. She's 22. I got news for you. Hmm. I just looked her up. Yeah? Guess who she never married. Oh, uh, Russ, you're killing me. You're stealing my thunder here. <laughs> Go, thunder. I'm getting there. I'll, 15, 20, give me 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, I love this. Moreover, Stallone had to fly up to Oregon to shoot his latest thriller, Assassins. You remember that movie? I wanted to see that movie so bad. Oh, it was great with Antonio Banderas. I bet Banderas. it wasn't. <laughs> it was fine. 
Oh, Justice Everhart was headed for San Francisco to play a call girl in the murder mystery, Jade. Is that the one with Ed okay. Harris? I don't know. No, no. I remember that one, too. Yada, yada, yada. The couple even squeezed in a trip to Miami where Stallone is renovating his $8 million 11-acre Bayside estate. Holy moly. We're very much in holy, love. Holy mokes. Yeah. Not holy moly, not holy smokes. <laughs> holy mokes. Very much in love. Couldn't be happier. Yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Cut to three months. <laughs> three months later, after they're engaged, totally breaks it off. Apparently, he's a nightmare. I found this a, is stunning. This is news to me, John. I found a... <laughs> uh, Russ is senile, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I found a radio interview with her from a few years ago, and this is what she oh, had yeah. to say about Sylvester Stallone. Someone was in the studio with us, and you were engaged to Sylvester Stallone, and there was a woman who was either married to him. I can't remember who it was. Dieter, maybe you can remember. She was married to him, or maybe she was engaged to him. And I'm I'm almost positive that she said that he was abusive towards her. Do you remember that, Dieter? Yeah, I can't remember. Someone here in the studio with us. Uh, Angie, did you ever experience anything crazy like that, or was he a nice guy? You know, I hate to talk bad about people, but I think he's awful. <laughs> that woman is awful? Yeah, he's not a fun boyfriend to have. <laughs> oh, he's not a fun boy. What, a temper or whatever? Oh, yeah. You never know what you're going to get when you wake up in the morning. Oh, uh, Russ looks concerned because he doesn't know what the clip says. <laughs> I don't, but I, I wasn't expecting it. We never have audio clips at this part of the episode. It is very rare. But Russ, she said he's not a fun boyfriend to have. <laughs> she was very <laughs> reserved with it. Yeah. But the most terrifying thing is she's like, you never know what you're going to get when he wakes up in the morning. Yikes. Which is very stressful, I feel like. Sure. What's funny to me is, and I guess this guy was handsome, and she described him as having the most beautiful body in the world. She ditches Stallone and marries this guy, Ashley... uh, Hamilton. Ashley Hamilton, who's... uh, What's his name? Who's the Hamilton guy with the tan? George Hamilton. Okay. George Hamilton's son, who is famous for Beethoven's second... (laughs) Who, George Hamilton or Ashley? Ashley. That's funny. <laughs> and some uh, soap called Sunset. It was just, it's such a sweat. <laughs> like, can you imagine Sylvester Stallone yeah. reading this in the paper? And then like <laughs> wringing the neck of the newsstand guy who sold him the paper? I just came across another former beau of hers. Do you have a, another name on this list? Joe Pesci? Yeah, she was, she was engaged, engaged to Joe Pesci. To Joe Pesci. Holy moly. That's wild, isn't it? It took me back to this time of like 90s. I Because it doesn't, it might happen now and it's just the info is more disparate or we don't pay attention anymore. It was just this era of like crazy flings amongst I mean, the rich and famous. I hear you. That being said, how far removed are we from Pete and Ariana? Right. Yes. You know, but that's only one. Sure. Because I think now we people don't get engaged that often anymore. They just shack up and live in sin. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're just like that. You're this weird kind of yeah, purist, passively, uh, passively yeah. puritanical. That's what they call yeah. me. Oh, back in my day. <laughs> Nowadays, people just go breaking up relationships left and right. When I was growing up, <laughs> famous people would be engaged with each other. And yeah, then the there was whole, a way the whole engagement would <laughs> fall apart. You'd have There's to contact proper... family members and friends. A You'd have to cancel to caterers. It. That's right. <laughs> It meant something. Ah. <laughs> Anyone can end a relationship, but ending an engagement. <laughs> There's that great old joke. 
from Woody Allen where he's talking about a couple deciding whether they should get a they, they were like, we're either going to go on vacation or get a divorce because this isn't yeah. working. He <laughs> says, well, vacation is fun, but it's over in two weeks. Well, there's a divorce is something you can really have forever. Oh, man. Thank goodness we're glorifying Woody Allen again. Let's throw him a bone. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to spend the rest of his life in hell. You know what? Or that's afterlife. not as true as it ought to be. No, right. It's not at all. Yeah, the life's going great. You have to. Yeah. You have to imagine it's going to be a little dicey. You have to imagine. I have to imagine. <laughs> oh, Jews don't believe in afterlife, right? There we go. We do not. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we got a little religion back on the program. <laughs> That's what we get for recording on a Sunday. <laughs> or a Saturday. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, let's talk about this episode of this television show. We still got all ML. Michael Lumbeck directing. Yep. ML Bean. And, uh, <laughs> ML Bean. <laughs> He's got a lifetime return policy for <laughs> backpacks. Well, I, I'm sending a couple episodes his way. <laughs> Not really. This was written by a guy named Victor Fresco, who's famous for Evening Shade and Dinosaurs, and wrote, most famously, the episode Pandora's Box of Mad About You. Okay. I You did hated. not like yeah. Hated. I liked it just fine. You I know not. you did. <laughs> that was the blackout episode. It sure was. Yeah. <laughs> Blacked out 22 minutes too late. <laughs> so. Oh, man. So it opens up with a cold open. Uh, a very silly, very quick one. No, it's disgusting. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Why is this what show it- so creepy? I was watching with Christina. We looked at each other and made gross out faces because I was walking into the kitchen. He overhears Jamie and Lisa talking in there. And Lisa's showing off a sex scar to, to Jamie. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And Paul does not enter. Why are they always kibitzing about this? I don't know. That's not a common sister thing, I don't think. I'm not sure. I genuinely was not sure about that because I'm like, I'm not that way with my brother about sex. We don't no. have that kind of relationship. I didn't know if that was the way that. Oh, yes, yeah, sisters talk and show off physical injuries. I don't injuries think so. And then congratulate each other on it. Right, yeah. I think it's something these idiots in the writer's room think is, you know, these old men sure. who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just talking about this all the time, probably. <laughs> I think you're probably right. How'd you like this episode, John? I liked it a lot. Yeah? Yeah, I know you were getting the sense why I maybe didn't. I was getting the sense that you maybe didn't. <laughs> For the most part, it was just one of those very fun, pleasant uh Couple good laughs. Yeah, enjoyable. I was, I was, mi- I was mixed on it. There were a couple of. I didn't like the end as much. Yes, there were a bunch of ways in which I thought that the episode could have been better. Things that I wanted to see more. Oh, of. Russ has a lot of notes. I do. I'm hoping we can bring this back to draft. I tell you, and... <laughs> Russ likes to bring fully produced out there on the market for over 20 years back to draft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we can really nail it. It could always be better. It just needs another run. One thing I was another happy to... pass. <laughs> I was happy to have uh, Sid back in the editor's chair. Yeah. George Petrie. Sid was very funny in this episode. He sure was. He was in a little mood. He was still a little Seinfeldian kind of humor. I also wrote Sid is Jerry Seinfeld in this yeah. episode. What was the first what one? What's the deal with? I'm um, looking for it now. Oh, yeah. Uh, why do they call them Boston cream pies? It's a cake, he yeah. says. It's just this little rant he goes on. You could put yeah. a candle in it. <laughs> yeah. He's right. It's a misnomer. <laughs> and then, yeah. But a Boston cream cake sounds like slang for something horrible. 
okay. You know, I don't know if I agree with you, but sure, I can. Yeah. I don't even know what. It's just you don't want something caked. Okay. Like Are oh, you, this like, molding is caked with uh, mildew, or you know, the, the car is caked right with away. rust, but no one cakes. I don't know if no one pies it. Sure. I don't know if it's the conversation that Lisa and Jamie just had in the kitchen. <laughs> I feel like a Boston cream pie is a dessert, but a Boston cream cake is a sex act. Yeah, that was another thought. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to avoid that one. Keep it PG. Not me, man. <laughs> yeah, we're going a little blue today. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the bottom line on this episode is we've got a whole bunch of X's. We're not a whole bunch of X's. We have uh, one. Uh, uh, one X and one current <laughs> girlfriend <laughs> slash love of yeah that's ira jamie's classmate right yes her classmate Susanna, who we met once before so we gave you the tv guide thing here's the real gist yeah ira wants to expand the business into a mail order and on top of the, just the shop so you can buy yep. buckman sporting goods from anywhere in the country yep. jamie and fran are handling that account he mm-hmm. doesn't have the money that it's going to the capital to invest in making it go full business cindy lopper appears out of nowhere because her husband died, who was a count. The count is dead. Is the count is dead. Line. Yeah. Every time she says it, I love it. <laughs> so she offers, she basically offers to give him a loan, ultimately, a free loan. And Paul is trying to protect Ira. He doesn't want her to hit, uh, he doesn't want her to get involved with his ex wife again because she's such yeah. a like blood sucker. Right. That's the gist of the episode. And yeah, Ira's got a new budding relationship with Jamie's classmates, Susanna. Yes. Things are going very well. He bought towels, which I love. I think it's so emblematic of a guy who's, Excited about his girlfriend. Yeah. Things are going well. It's early. And yeah. Good relationships make you a better person. That's very well said. You know, he's like, oh, I'm going to get new towels. I deserve that. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm going to grow up a little. I'm going to grow up a little. I think it's also I'm going to show off a little. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have towels. I'll bet she wants to. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to get fucking sporting good towels. (laughs) If I get towels in my apartment, she'll really like me. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that is true. It's true. On yeah. both sides. Because also, if, if you have a bunch of old towels forever, it's a bit of a turnoff, maybe. It's like, well, this guy's a loser. That's very true. So, yeah. So, the fact that he's getting towels for Susanna, fantastic. The towel dries both ways. <laughs> as the old so, yeah, expression so he, goes. Everybody knows it. Tale as old as time. Yeah. So, all of a sudden, though, interrupting this bliss is Cindy Lauper. She comes back and gets you. Classic sitcom move. Mm-hmm. Bring back the ex. I knew a deus ex machina is a... Uh... I know what it translates into, but ultimately it usually means something crazy happens to tie up the end, right? Something external. It's something something out of nowhere that hasn't been introduced earlier at all. They need a term the for the opposite. Uh, maybe that's what this is. It kicks off a lot of plots. I was talking about this maybe with you. Were we talking about how plays always start like this? I think we were last week. I'm not sure. Like every play from like the 60s to the 90s, it's like, da 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 ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have a story. And <laughs> I like when I was in theater school, we always had to think of why is this what why does this play take place on this day? Right. Why is this the Passover day... question? Yeah. <laughs> different from yeah. all other days. <laughs> why is this day important? Right. And for you, you're transitioning that into who is at the door today? I mean, a lot of things use that device, though, you know? Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, uh, oh, we're expecting mom. Where is she? Ding dong. Oh, it's her. And she Um, brought a guy? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Or, oh, it's just going to be the two of us in for the night. Ding dong. Bill, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be with Marie? 
She's by dead? The way, by the way, what you're talking about is called the inciting incident. Yes, but it so often comes from bing bong or knock knock. <laughs> <laughs> or frankly, ring ring. You're like inciting incident is too hoity-toity for what we're talking about. Bing bong, knock knock, ring ring. <laughs> Take my uh, creative writing class and I'm about you. First semester's bing bing, <laughs> bing oh, bong. Write it down, John. We got to talk about the bing bing, the bing bing, knock knock, ring ring for every episode for the rest of the show. Oh my goodness. What else is going on here? So, yeah. Oh, there's a great moment with uh, this is a small one. Mm-hmm. So, Paul's waiting for a grant money because, as we know, this is the yes. life of a documentary filmmaker. Right. A lot of waiting for grants. Mm hmm. And he's looking for his lucky socks. And yet he, uh, essentially, he comes home at the end of the day after Cindy Lauper surprises him at work. Right. And says, I'm back in town. The count is dead. Yes. <laughs> I want to see Ira. And uh, Paul's complaining. Uh, he's like, the my lucky socks didn't work. I didn't get the grant. Cindy Lauper, whose character I can never remember the name Marianne. of. Marianne. Marianne showed up. And there was an eyelash in my egg salad. <laughs> right. Plus, I found a, like a big eyelash in my egg salad. An eyelash? Big, long eyelash. How do you know it wasn't a hair? Because I'm deciding it was an eyelash. The lies we tell ourselves. <laughs> that's a fun goof. It is. I need, <laughs> that's what I told myself. I like the unpacking of it, the explicit unpack, because it is what we all do. Sure. Right? You try to, at least. Oh, the other, the most common one is, oh, that must be mine. My hair yeah, must yes. have fallen That's into the That's my hair. Food. It's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, somehow my hair fell and wormed its way into the bottom of a plate of nachos. <laughs> years and years ago, I waited forever to go to the eye doctor to get new contacts. And when I did, the eye doctor was horrified because in the edge of my contact lens, there was like, there was a notch that had been taken out. I was wearing contacts for a long time and there was like a small notch taken out of the side of the contact lens. So like it was damaged and it was painful, but I wore it and I literally convinced myself. I was just like, oh, right. That's the way it always was. Yeah. I had it like that. Yeah. You know, you remember you having astigmatism, Russ? So when they gave it to you, they said this one's a little bit different and your left eye, your left contact is fine and your right contact has a notch taken out of it. And then she looks at it. And she was like, you could have blinded yourself. Oh, gosh. She's like, why did you wear those like this? I was like, I thought it was always like this. So the mind is very tricky. Russ, John looks horrified. That feels right like now. the bing bong, knock, knock, ring, ring of a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah, baby. Well, you're, you think everyone's just always been dead. And it turns out you've been killing everyone. <laughs> I didn't even realize that that was what that meant. But yeah, yeah. the and fact that I thought that about the contact lens means that I'm a murderer. And if not for an astute ophthalmologist, <laughs> the killing spree would continue. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's Paul called Eye for very, an Eye. <laughs> I love it. I'd watch it. Paul is very protective of Ira, possibly to a fault in this entire episode. It's sweet though, I think. I agree. It is sweet. Jamie says that it's sweet. As they're getting ready to head out for the day, Paul says that with Ira, things are going great, and Ira doesn't do good with great. For instance, oh, in 1974, I got this you, want you got this it? Clip? It's great. Do it. Traditionally, Ira doesn't do so good with great. What does that mean? All right, 1974. He's about to win a scholarship to Berkeley School of Music. 
The night before his SATs, he decides to try peyote. All right. It's not All right, three years ago, he's up for the job at Nike. He goes into the final interview. He's wearing PF flyers. It is a great list. That's great. Uh, I were doing uh, hallucinogenics. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't expect to hear peyote. I didn't either. I could see Coke. Sure. Weed, of course. I feel like Coke. Well, first of all, I feel like peyote is a funnier drug than any, either of those other ones. Oh, 100%. Here. But also just in general, like if Paul were to say rather than, you know, oh, yeah, he decided that was the right time to do peyote. And instead, it's just like he did a bunch of Coke. He's like, oh, no. Ira yeah. Has yeah. A, <laughs> yeah Ira like, has a terrible drug problem. Paul, get in there and stop him. Yeah. Before he does something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> What are the yeah, like, flyers? Are those like Chucks? Yeah. I think they were the either the prototype for Chucks or mm. the main competition, but they were Oh. Speaking of Sandlot, they are the shoes that Benny the Jet Rodriguez wore right. at the end of that movie. Yes, okay. Great. So Noted. You <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I'm happy to help with that nonsense. Also <laughs> brutal that he was about to go to Berkeley Mu- School of Music. Yeah, I didn't realize how very, very good at this he was. I know. He could have really. He was like a schlemiel of a musician. Or yeah. Some... Like a, you know, yeah. high school fiddle around. Yeah. A wedding to... band guy. Yeah. He really had a yeah, shot that's, there. That's a bummer. But you know what? He likes to support a good store. It's true. He, he's doing just fine. He's got yeah. a family that loves him. He's got new towels. <laughs> he's got new towels. So, yeah. So then Marianne shows up at Paul and Jamie's with a couple of picnic baskets. Oh, yeah. She went shopping. Oh, Russ. I. She brings caviar, champagne, steak tartare, mm-hmm. and then she says, steak not so tartare. Sure. <laughs> I love caviar. Yeah? Do you? I don't know if I've ever had it. I'm telling you what, it's a real treat. Real good? Oh, yeah. You go to Russell well, Daughters or something. It's not even that expensive. What I was going to ask, though, and no, I- that's not, that's not what media has told me. <laughs> well, it can be. Don't get me wrong. The good stuff. The Russians. So, so you love the, oh, you're like, oh, I just love cheap caviar. Yeah, I guess that's it. I do. I love <laughs> cheap caviar. Yeah. It's, it's chicken of the sea caviar. You're like, oh, if you source it yourself, it's real cheap. <laughs> Eggs the size of your head. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a wonderful, gooey, salty flavor that explodes in your mouth with every bite. John, that doesn't sound good. You know what that sounds like? <laughs> a Boston cream cake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Uh, <laughs> but she brings a lot of fun foods. Countesses yes. know how to grocery shop. For sure. I think. I like her giving a handful of napkins to Paul and saying, fold these like ducks. I had to in my notes, too. That's real fun. Because she picked up, she let the countess position change her a little. Yes. Change her tastes. But you can't mm-hmm. take uh, wherever she's from out of her. <laughs> New Jersey? I think it's got to be Jersey. Me too. Yeah, she's something else. She's a and very she, funny. She knows all the beats too. Yeah. Cindy Lauper crushes it in this episode. She's great. I love Cindy. Yeah. Love Cindy. A lot of people don't do that. She's a very good sitcom actor. Yeah, she's 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 wonderful. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So, <laughs> fine. What? Let's not fight about it anymore. I wasn't fighting. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul doesn't want to be beholden to Marianne for anything at all. Marianne then presents them with a couple of courtside Knicks tickets for the next day, and he immediately accepts them. Oh, this is such a fun scene. Because yeah. Jamie is suddenly getting sucked into the trappings so hard. She wants to try on her tiara, which is diamond-encrusted or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Paul's like, Ira, Jamie, relax. And the second Knicks tickets come up, he switch. It's so, it's very fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So then she starts offering money around. Yeah. I mean, what good is it if you can't uh, spend it? Right. So she says to Ira, I'll give you a loan so you can do the ads that you need. Says to Paul, I'll finance your movie. Iris says, great. Paul says, no, 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 no. This is something I love about this episode. What's that? And maybe Victor Fresco's writing. The pivotal moment of the episode where it comes up that she can offer Ira a loan Mm -hmm. is so quiet and passive and not a big deal. It's just like they kind of, yeah, he needs the money. She's like, ah, you need money? Like he brings up this point. She's like, what are you up to? He's like, oh, we're trying to expand. She's like, you need money? And he's like, yeah, actually. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it, whereas now I feel like if it was on a TV show, it'd be this big, like you'd have to be backed into a corner. There'd be no other way out. He'd be forced to take the money. Well, that's, I hear you. That's, it'd be more heavy handed plot instead of just like, oh yeah, 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 I need money. I think that's part of what got me about this episode. That you didn't like? Is that, yeah, is that at this point, it feels very casual and I like that. That's what's great. I agree. But then later, suddenly she becomes the devil. Well, that's how she works. Yeah. That's Paul's point. I guess that is Paul's point. And you're making me like it more. I also fell for it. Yeah, you did. At this part of the episode, I was just like, hey, Paul, back off, man. Mm, you are a real sucker for Cindy Lauper. Yeah, I'm like, he's a grown up and uh, she's offering money. It's fine. You know, let them do this for each other. Laissez faire is only good to a degree with adults. <laughs> mm-hmm. Adults are not that much smarter than children. Sean, that's a great point. <laughs> like, we all make plenty <laughs> of dumb decisions as adults. Yeah. We could all do better to look out for each other every now and then a little more. I mean, I think that that is, that's evidenced by how many people are just like, oh, I was a dumb 25-year-old, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, that number just, number goes up with their age. Keeps on going. <laughs> I was a stupid 33-year-old. <laughs> uh, when I was 58, I didn't know anything, but now oh, I'm 65. The mistakes I made in my mid to late 40s. <laughs> that's right. Pride goes so, before good, the fall. Good point. <laughs> so bottom line is paul doesn't want ira to take the money but also the money is dependent on paul signing right because ira made paul a silent partner in order to appease him in a fight that he wasn't having that's right so paul needs to sign it over and paul does not sign he says no i'm doing you a favor i'm doing this for you i don't want her to i don't want you to be beholden to marianne we had a classic sitcom cold shoulder Mm-hmm. They have. They don't speak for days. Oh, yep. and they go to the Knicks game. They go to the Knicks game, and they and sit the Knicks, there unhappily. They sit there courtside the Knicks game, and our special guest star for the episode, Patrick Ewing, shows up. Hey, would you two lighten up? What? Let's knock it off. You're throwing my game. You guys actually, you notice people? You're such a putz. What'd you say? No, 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 no. I wasn't, I wasn't talking to you. This whole sequence is a little uncomfortable, right? How so? The footage is so clearly different between the game footage and yes. Paul and Iris sitting in whatever fake stadium, yes. two rows of seats. It's so clear that the director was just like, we have to get this real fast. Just look unhappy. Okay, yeah. good. Now uh, do something annoying. And then mm-hmm. Paul takes a little Nick's pennant and like yeah. puts it in Iris' face. Right. But they clearly... No one gave them eye lines or anything. Right. Like Ira at one point gestures for the ref to come over when Patrick Ewing's fighting, but he's just sort of gesturing mm-hmm. in one direction and the ref comes over from another <laughs> direction. Over. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. very, it was a very slapdash beat. It's like they found out they could get Patrick at the very last second or something. Absolutely. That's a very good point. The footage looks terrible. It's uncomfortable to me. It's a very strange 
sequence as far as it's Knicks versus Spurs, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Spurs had a was Pippen on there? No, he was on the Bulls. He was on the Bulls. He was a Spur eventually, right? I don't think so. I think he wound up on the Rockets. Maybe, maybe uh, he was a Spur, but I don't think so. David Robinson was on the Spurs. Oh, David Robinson. Love <laughs> you know, him. Not a big love <laughs> your favorite guy. He was in the Navy. He was the Admiral. You love David Robinson. Thank you for your service. <laughs> so Ira comes over the next day to work with Jamie and Fran. And they're back at the apartment. And yeah, they haven't spoken to him in five Dennis years. Rodman was on the spoken. Spurs. Yeah. Well, that's a big one. That's a big one, yeah. That's Tim all. Duncan later. Nobody cares about Tim Duncan. <laughs> anyway, what were you saying? I'm sorry. Know your audience, Russ. <laughs> Paul and Ira haven't spoken in five days after this. Paul does a very silly get me. Oh, great get me. Which is him coming back in from the kitchen with a couple of lids from pots over his ears. And he says, get me, I'm Carrie Fisher. And what I love about that moment is nobody laughs. Yep. And he goes, I thought that was funny yesterday. Yeah. Which means he, he did it this yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> and then he brought it back for people. I hang in there with those. Sometimes <laughs> I'll have to insist to Christina yeah. that what I said was funny. Yep. And I'll keep Would you insisting. Believe that I know what laughs. that's like, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How so? <laughs> Most things. <laughs> oh, you know what I love about this episode? What's up? So. They haven't spoken. Jamie is nervous because Ira's coming over for a meeting about the mail catalog. Paul's going to be there, yada, yada. So Ira comes over, and they have little danishes that they bought. And he said, pass me a danish. And I was expecting these big, huge danishes, you know, because that's how a danish right. is. They were right. these little bite-sized danishes. That's just, the pastries in this episode were phenomenal. <laughs> the danishes were bite-sized, which is fun size because then it's not sticky and it doesn't make a mess. We haven't done this in a while uh-huh. on the show, but... I now have a new thing that I want to talk to slash compliment Paul Reiser on uh-huh. the next time I see him, which is to say thank you so much for the years of entertainment and wonderful work on Mad About You. In particular, the desserts that <laughs> were featured on the show. It's true. You had these bite-sized danishes. Well, <laughs> just stupendous. Earlier. Not they- unexpected. Unexpected, frankly. <laughs> they allude. They weren't expected. You know my other favorite thing? A mini black and white cookie is far better than a full-size black and white cookie. One shot. Boom. Boom. They allude twice to crullers in this episode. They do. One of them, in Paul Buckman Studios, they have cinnamon crullers, mm-hmm. which is an uncommon cruller flavor. Agreed. Which, for me, spoke to the dynamism of food options in 90s New York that I used to want as a kid. Okay. But B, also, well, no, just that. That's a great specific crawler to pick to just both paint the world and, you know, fill your ears with sugar. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. It's a delicious detail. Oh, a delicious detail. A double D. <laughs> a double D. That is a double D food reference. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Paul is being very silly and obstinate when it comes to. Um, Again with the big words. Pretty sure I misused this one handily. Are we getting to this uh, clip? Yeah, I think we're going to get to the clip right about now. 
Did I tell you not to buy that 64 Corvette that you had your heart set on? Did I tell you that nobody was gonna want to see a movie about a, about a button that you were so gung-ho about? Did I tell you not to go out with her in those first few months when you were all hot and bothered? As a matter oh. of fact, you did. Oh, excuse me. Well, did you listen? No, what am I gonna listen to you for? What do you mean you told him not to go out with me? What did I know? I met you one time, you kept showing off your vocabulary. You never told me he didn't like me. Because you were so down on him, I, did, I didn't want to fuel the fire. Wait, 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 you didn't like me? On first impression, you were a little obsequious. You see, there you're doing it again. <laughs> Good old-fashioned climax sitcom argument between the whole cast, made Very famous fun. by Love Lucy. Very fun. It's a classic Mertz's Ricardo's fight. We skipped past Paul reading the paper out loud. And oh yeah, that is a fun bit. Yeah, he reads the paper out loud. He comments as he waters the plants in the middle of their meeting. Yeah, and then he just comes out of the kitchen playing a slide whistle. I missed that. Yeah, just he comes out just. Oh no! I'm sorry, not a slide whistle, a oh. penny whistle. Oh, okay. That so makes just more tooting sense. along on a whistle. Slide whistle didn't sound yeah, as right, unless you got it from the circus. Yeah, and you're like, why would he have a slide whistle in the kitchen? That's where penny whistles live. <laughs> penny whistles uh, are the magic whistles from Super Mario Brothers Three, right? Yeah, that's correct. Or is that a flute? Same thing. I mean, it's basically the same thing, but I think it's a penny whistle. Is it because the holes are the size of a penny? No. You know, I don't know why it's called that. Yeah, think I about it. I don't know why it's called think about it. I'm going to think about it a lot. Back. And we'll we'll see how much thinking I have to do until I come up with the idea. <laughs> let's, now let's go back to the clip we just played. Please. <laughs> ah. You got a life of a button callback? We do. They're keeping a track of the this life filmography. Of button. Yeah. Jamie showing off her vocabulary is great. Mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed <laughs> I had to look up obsequious. I didn't, but now I'm realizing I'm like, I know it in context. I don't know if I could just tell you what it means right now. Use it in context. Jamie was being obsequious. <laughs> By what? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie was being obsequious when she said that Ira was being obsequious. No. Okay, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Ira was being obsequious <laughs> when Jamie said that he was being obsequious. No, he actually wasn't. So what's interesting about this word is it's one of those words that sounds different the meaning is different than the way the word just sounds. Okay. It says obedient or attentive to an excessive or servile degree, like fawning. Interesting. Which I thought was a funny thing to criticize him for. It's also yeah. funny because it is a funny thing to criticize someone for. Right. Because your first time meeting someone, we'd all do better to be a little more obsequious, I think. You know, sure. it's like you want to be genial and nice and mm-hmm. helpful, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But for her to be like you were too obsequious the first time, and Ira of all people, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Ira is not a trying too hard kind of guy. No, so that was an interesting uh, little vocabulary lesson I got here. I think that's a mame wow, absolutely. At least for us, I think I can handle the defining though. I don't want to hear the critics <laughs> who were like, "Wow, the mame wows have gotten really dumb lately." <laughs> <laughs> What's next? What? what? Yeah, did they? <laughs> Should the word sneaker be in a yeah. mame wow? Do they know what the word mad means? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so that's a ton of fun. We then go back to the Sporting Goods store where they meet Marianne. The devil from Damn Yankees. Absolutely. She is in full-blown She is. She's even dressed Applegate like a vixen. Mode. It's fun. Yeah. What's the and name? Applegate? Applegate, yeah. That's the devil and a- devil wears Damn Yankees? Damn Yankees? De- and the devil wears Damn Yankees, yeah. <laughs> And now she's in full on, yeah. Well, why don't you sign? I can make all right. your dreams come true. Yeah, now Ursula. all the Faustian 
bargains start kicking in. Yes. Oh, I'm uh, mad about Amame Faust would be <laughs> great. Like for me, this part, I'm just like, this wasn't what this episode was before. Right. It was just, hey, I'll help you out with this. How about I do this for you? And now it's, oh, how about I do this for you? And forget about that girl. That's what Paul's concerned about the whole time. I understand, which is the way it goes. That's what made me actually come around fully on this episode. I think I like this episode a lot. As is often the case, I like it more now after having spoken to you about this it. This is so. what's great about this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know a show's great when it requires two idiots to talk about it for an hour before they can be convinced it's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally how you know a show's great. <laughs> you know, people are sometimes like, yeah. you know what? Give it a few episodes. We're like, no, 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 no. Start a podcast. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you listeners may think this is a great show. Your opinion is invalid. <laughs> yeah. Where's your podcast? Get a microphone. <laughs> Get a server. Get an audience. Then and only then can you say that this episode and this show is great. <laughs> yeah. So she turns into the devil. Mm-hmm. What's nice is Ira was right in a way. He can handle himself. Right. He wasn't going to fall for it. He could tell what was going on. You think that he was going to back out of the deal? Absolutely. Once she said, he made it clear. He was saying, no, I don't want to do that. That's true. Once he agreed to take the loan and was about to sign, she was like, so where are we going for dinner tonight? And he was like, oh, I got plans tonight. That's not going to work. He could tell. Yeah. But Paul has another great idea or his first great idea for the episode. Because he is also offered money, so he takes the money from Marianne, and then he provides a loan to Ira. Yeah, it's sweet. So that Ira can keep the, he can do what he wanted to do with the store, and he won't have to deal with Marianne. <laughs> yeah. He acts as the middleman. These he acts as the broker. These are so ingrained in your brain. You're about to be like, so he can keep the community center open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he comes up with the dance-a-thon. <laughs> She gave money to Paul to make a movie about basketball. Yeah, about the Boston Garden. Wait. That's what the guy was talking uh, about. In the episode? Yeah, the Boston Garden. In the beginning. Yep. Wait, that's the movie. Closing. Oh, money to finish his movie. Yeah. I heard Boston Garden. I thought that was a garden, a public garden. No, 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 no. That's the Madison yeah. Square Garden of Boston? That's absolutely right. And yeah. it's gone? It is gone now. And where do the Celtics play now? Or as I like to call them, the Celtics. You should. I can't remember what it's called now. It used to be the Fleet Center. I don't know if it still is. Oh, I bet it's, uh, oh yeah, it's named after a company. Of course it is. Yeah. But yeah, Boston Garden was a very famous arena. It was really loud and not famous floors. <laughs> oh, good squeaks. Boom. Good squeaks. There's a parquet floor, so it was uh, really pretty and distinctive. Oh, it wasn't on but, a parkour? Uh, it was not on a parkour. <laughs> Where the hoops are on the walls? Yeah, you just got to perpendicular and jump all over the place. Yeah. yeah. You have to fire the <laughs> ball through the basket horizontally. There's all these railings all over the place. <laughs> you Balance uh, and propel yourself off of. That's in, why I was in so that famous. Game, you're encouraged to travel. <laughs> God. Why is that what I say? Oh, God, John, that was so lame. That's the line for me, I guess. Yeah, your camel can hold a lot of straws. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so that's how things wrap up is Paul kind of saves the day and figures out a way for everybody to get what they want. Yeah. Way to go, Paul. Super Paul. Yeah. Yeah. One of the rare instances that he's right and then he solves the problem. Yes. It doesn't often happen. He's really the leading male in this episode. Yeah. He's the hero. Paulie. Good for you, man. (laughs) The tagline or the tag for this episode uh, as Paul and Jamie, Paul has purchased a Happy New Year crown for Jamie because she took 
so well to the adorable tiara earlier. Yeah. And uh, she apologizes and says she's sorry that he's not going to be able to make his movie. But he has another plan. He's going to sue Patrick Ewing because Patrick Ewing earlier in the episode got into a fist fight with him in the crowd. To me, looking back now in this episode, the 90s was an era of fast engagement and divorce and crazy lawsuits. Yeah, that's very true. Because those were two things that happened a lot. That's very, and where that's a lot a of point. late night jokes came from and like yeah. like lawsuits left and right. And there were also a few basketball brawls. In, oh, yeah. I was trying to look that up. I couldn't find any. Look up Ron Artest when you get the most. Oh, I, I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He started a fight in a crowd Is at the end of a game. Another athlete named Roy Ortiz. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, a famous one. Okay, then. Mm, I do not know. It must be that guy then. Could be. I'm pretty sure he goes by Meta World Peace these days. Ron Artest does. Really? Yeah. So that's fun. That is long. Yeah, that is long. That is long. And two of those words are nouns. <laughs> oh, but Meta, yeah. M-E-T-T-A. M-E-T-T-A. Oh. So yeah. Well, the first name is a Buddhist yeah. term meaning loving kindness. Absolutely. Which, and the last I mean, name like, is self-explanatory. Yeah. And good for him for turning around because what we're talking about him initially for is getting into a fist fight in the crowd of a professional basketball game. Wow. So with that's that, fun. <laughs> rise guys and rise gals. Thank you so much for listening. Indeed. We've had a good time talking to you. This a blast around as we always do. Every time. Every time. John, here's the deal. I want these people to talk to us more. Oh boy. Good thing we have some outlets set up through which they can do that. <laughs> you can email us, madaboutupod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us, at madaboutupod. You can Facebook us, at madaboutupod. And, well, that's it. Oh, or a great way to communicate with us is to leave a review on yep. iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts because mm-hmm. it really helps us out. And, uh, honestly, we do read them. <laughs> We sure do. And it is sort of turning into a comment section these days, which is a lot of fun. Love it. <laughs> so, yeah, if you heard anything this episode that you enjoyed or uh, think would be funny to put in our reviews, go for it. Something Hashtag humiliating. 70 by 70. Absolutely. 70 by 70 now. We do it at the very end. <laughs> or nothing if not forgetful. This is true. Uh, but you can also listen to us anywhere. I mean, if you're listening to us, you're already listening to us. If you're listening to us, keep doing that. Yeah, but we're on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Pod, whatever that one's called. All of them. Try to name one that we're not on. You can't do it. It, Or email it to us and we'll get on there. Also, (laughs) if you're curious to learn more about the podcast in general, we have a website. It's madaboutyoupod.com. Go there. Go there right this instant. Let's do it. So, yeah, we're white. I'll I'll meet you there, everybody. And I'll tell you what else we'll do. We'll listen to a theme song, which goes like this. It's by Mr. John D. Ivy. Thank you so much, John. And our logo is by Mr. Nathan Diffie. You can find him on Twitter at Nathan D-I-F-F-E-E. Thank you, Nathan. And our sound was mixed by Mr. Vuk Ivanovich. Thank you, Vuk. Vuk, thank you. John, thank you. Russ, thank you. No, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> rise, guys. Rise, gals. Thank you so much. This has been Mad About Mad About You. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.